Welcome to the Art and Business of Music podcast hosted by me, Jimmy Davis, aka Tapes, where I explore the roles of creatives and professionals in the industry, digging deep into what a career in music really looks like. Don't forget to follow us on all social media channels at T-H-E-A-A-B-O-M podcast. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and please do share with anyone you think might be interested. My guest on episode two is a highly experienced music and media consultant who spearheads the Birmingham Music Coalition and is a true champion of all things independent. He has worked with a diverse array of bands and artists, including the likes of Dex's Midnight Runners, Roland Gift and The Chieftains. He's been involved with festivals such as Mosley Folk and Oxjam and written for a variety of publications, including The 405, The Metro, The Guardian, Brum Notes and Riffs. He currently lectures at Birmingham City University and is a well-respected figure amongst the city's music community. Lyle Binyan, how you doing, sir? Hello, Jimmy. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be talking to you today. I'm good. What about you? Top, man. Yeah, really great, man. I'm, I'm loving the surroundings. We are perched in Lyle's kitchen. <laughs> the ginger nuts are out. Biscuits, obviously. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And we're gonna get we're gonna get into it now. So, uh, Lyle, give us a bit of background on yourself, man. What were the the first steps that you took on on the career path that you eventually ended up taking, and and what interested you in the music industry particularly? Okay, well, it's a bit cliched, um, but you know, like like a lot of people, I grew up around music. Um, my dad made uh, stringed instruments for a living. My mom was a huge um, soul music fan. So it was always around, um, remember, got lots of key memories as a kid, um, pretending to conduct Hulse the Planets on the living room table to trying to work out Beatles lyrics to, um, uh, you know, dropping um, uh, cassette tapes that feature some really bizarre, obscure music from, from the 60s and 70s. Um, but kind of fast forwarding into so many different subcultures, as um, as a teenager and in my early twenties, you know, went through the whole hip hop phase, UK hip hop, US hip hop, went through acid house culture, rave culture, um, drum and bass, and then you know the, the whole kind of second wave of ska um, and uh, Californian punk, um, even a bit of metal, um, which entailed going going out to a lot of different places, mixing with different you know different groups of music fans, seeing different artists perform going to dances, going to raves, going to clashes. Um, I think one of the constants has always been sound system culture. That's definitely something that, that stuck with me from, from the get-go. But then um, really always kept one foot in, in, in a kind of creative camp, even though I didn't work in the music, didn't start working in the music um, industry until I was about 28, 29. Um, so a kind of late, a late bloomer. I was, I was in bands and, and um, was always around people that did stuff musically, but um, actively um, worked in a lot of different jobs, bar jobs, um, retail, hospitality, worked for um, uh, in kind of administrative roles and then started to edge towards communications and marketing and PR and media and that kind of thing. And I, I don't even know what the first, the first kind of, break into that was but I did various press officer jobs that entailed writing about music working with musicians media liaison you know talking to other music um, professionals and 
bit by bit, just kind of falling into it slowly. Anything that combined, I guess, an interest and love of musical media, um, in particular writing, you know, that was always something that that drove me. And then by the time I was in my early 30s, um, I, you know, I, I was reviewing for um, a variety of uh, national um, music sites, newspapers, um, doing working on some high-level um uh, productions and, and uh, UK tours, um, taking on a lot of freelance jobs for people around both Birmingham, the West Midlands, and the UK, um, meeting so many mad creatives who, who you know, all four corners of the industry from riggers to um, uh, artist managers to piano tuners to um, people that run venues in the city, you know, it, it's a it's a really great community, and I guess I found a place in that after a while of trying my hand at various in various jobs and, and industries, and then of course music is the one common denominator between a lot of people, you know, and and, and to have that as it's a lifeblood, isn't it? Um, whatever whatever scene or culture you're into. However you're consuming it, it's always there. It's it's the one art form that I can really, really connect with and relate to. So I'm really interested in that. You, you worked a few different jobs, different fields. Did there come a point where you felt, you know what, if, I'm, if I really want to get into this music thing, I've got to take a leap, some sort of a leap. I've got to plow my own furrow perhaps in some way. Or, or was it, was it a, more of a gradual thing? Um, no, I think I think being around, having friends that are, you know, DJs or rappers or um, guitarists or composers and arrangers, it's always there and you've always got opportunities to, to help um, advise someone or to help um, write something or to make connections. I'm a big believer in um, brokering connections between two people that perhaps wouldn't, wouldn't have met in, in other circumstances and seeing what comes out of it. So my... Um, yeah, I'd say my network has always been important um, in that and, and finding finding my place within that also gave rise to opportunities and, and my circle's always been big and with that comes, you know, um, offers, requests for help, suggestions, me spotting opportunities to jump in and, and try and advise or try and offer some, some kind of um, assistance in some way. So I wouldn't say there's a defining moment and I think a lot of music professionals that you speak to you know yourself included uh, maybe that maybe for for performing um professionals performance professionals who are on stage in front of a mic or, or mm. performing there may be a a kind of break moment a trigger a, a kind of someone that you meet or a, um an email that comes your way but in the main if you're working kind of in the backstage um, in the shadows or, or um, from an industry point of view, it's graft, it's, it's, it's a long game. It's, it's you're, you're building slowly, slowly, slowly until your foundations are rock solid and then you take it from there. So there's definitely been a lot of milestones and a lot of amazing um, moments and, and incredible experiences and, and um, things that I, I look back now and I think, did that really happen? But they they weren't necessarily a springboard to something else. It has been fifteen years of solid, solid work, long hours, doing day jobs in music, and then taking on um, uh, freelance work or, or kind of extracurricular work when I get home. So it was like you know twelve fourteen hour days. Did that a lot when I was in my early thirties. Worked for anyone and everyone 
on the most amazing projects. Never really said no. Um, what that resulted in was was you know uh, a lot of um, a lot of opportunities, which I'm really grateful for and, and um, privileged to work on. Yeah, such an important point you make there. I think. Did, would you agree that that ability to just see see a long game vision, and and also to take things on without saying no or thinking twice. Do you think that that is an absolute given, particularly nowadays, so much competition? So that's, a kind of, that's like a two-part question. So the first one, the ability to see, to have, have a kind of bigger picture, to map out your journey, to see a route map, absolutely. But it doesn't come to you when you're young. You know, it, you, mm. it's very difficult to see where the industry might go, where your career might go, what may mm. happen, what life throws at you, who's going to come into your circle, who's going to, you know be part of, of your community and, and where you're going to go artistically or, or otherwise. But it's definitely something to aim for. I do think that having having a direction and knowing the bigger picture, it's always something that, that when I um, talk to students, music industry students, um, I'll always say, try and understand the ecosystem, try and understand your place within it, try and see, you know, even if it's not a year ahead, it's six months ahead. Mm. Because, you know, a lot of businesses now, they have three to five year plans or they'll have 10 year plans for an, for a creative, an, indep an independent individual that's not tied in to, let's say, a collective or have the guidance that other people have. That's a challenge to find their way through that. Yeah. And the second point about um, uh, but not saying no to things, I, I think... I was really keen and I, I probably felt that I'd come into the game a little bit late. So I was making up for lost time. And there were instances that in re in retrospect now I'd say I wouldn't go, I wouldn't have gone near that or I'd have said no to that. But I think that's part of, you know, that's part of the experience. You learn from every interaction, every transaction. Um, and uh, with hindsight, it's, you know, shaped me. So, but I would say I'd err on the side of caution and say, you know, these days more than ever, there is a need to put a value on your skills, on your time, on your expertise, on everything that you can offer as a creative to another creative or to a business, to a corporate. And there, as we know, creatives get taken for a ride. Mm. You know, whether it's by media, whether it's by corporates, whether it's by fellow creatives. So, at, at, at what point in the journey do you start putting that value on your time and and your and your talents? Is it from the get-go or is it... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to just contradict what I've said here, but there's a, there's a fine balance between saying, yes, I'll do something that I want to work on because it's artistically interesting, it will connect me with someone, it will build my community, it will give me experience, and you might be doing it for free. Mm. As long as you gain something out of it, how you value that is up to you. It doesn't have to be financial value. It can sure. be, you know, it can be spiritual value or... Yeah. Um, or um, in professional development, however that comes. Experience. Do you know what? Let, let's distill it down to sharpen your ability to spot someone that's blagging you or someone that's someone that's trying to pull a fast one. Okay. That's the difference. If someone comes to you with a genuine um, desire to collaborate or work together and you see that their aim is true, take the risk on that one. But if, you know, follow your, follow your instincts and follow your, your spidey sense. <laughs> Okay, I like that. So across the 15 years of you building your solid foundations that you spoke of, taking those gradual, consistent steps, was there an element of you helping people and that coming back to you in some form in terms of offers and 
you know people wanting to collaborate work with you i, th- I think i think so i mean i don't it's a difficult one because i mm. i do believe i do believe in you know what goes around comes around mm-hmm. and i i did a lot of work for charities um i did a lot of work for people that were on the on the up and didn't really know where to go for for advice or guidance or or even just to write their own bio or or how to get photos commissioned or what do I do if I want my record reviewed or mm. you know I'm I'm I really want to speak to that person but I don't know how to get in touch with them or I'm, I'm a bit worried about you know so it's lucky that I've got a little bit of the you know the Irish kind of gift of the gab and I can I, I can talk my way in and out of situations but um there does come a point where you you kind of got to say enough is enough and start to put a value on those skills again it doesn't have to be financial for me it was actually time i started running out of time to that whole life work balance um so yeah i think uh, uh it's it's down to each person but definitely having an awareness of of that the kind of ratio between how many yeses and how many noes you, you, you you've got going on at any one point how many unpaid versus paid roles how many um, offers to to help someone out versus are you losing out on paid work or, or other opportunities yeah. is is always a it's a good awareness and sensitivity to have in 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 anyone. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely agree. And I think unless you've got an ability to see into the future or read people's minds, you're never going to know what those interactions with people that you might be collaborating with, helping out, what they're going to give to you, what they're going to bring to you in terms of that value that you speak of that might not be financial. You mentioned some some highlights that you've had across the fifteen years, Lyle. Can you can you recall any? <laughs> <laughs> Meeting yourself for the first time um, is up there, obviously. It is for for most. Um, saying goodbye to you as well. No, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, I think it's just you know when you when you get to a point, particularly in live music. You know, I've been in some incredible studio setups. I've met some, I've met some of my heroes. You know, to be. Um, to be reviewing the specials in a secret um, Radio uh, 6 Music gig in Made of Vale and being like three feet away from, you know, people that I adored and, and was crazy about and then slowly becoming friends with a member of the specials through different areas of work was, you know, it's incomprehensible to me as a 15-year-old. But this is what this is the kind of stuff that happens if you remove the... You know, it's a profession. It's a business. Mm. Yes, a lot of there is there is glamour. There is um, a whole sheen that surrounds the music industry. Obviously, if if you're at the top of your game, um, you, you know it, it's a completely different uh, different world. But mm-hmm. um, being being able to access soundtracks by incredible artists, being part of collaborative moments that will never happen again. Seeing artists that I work with you know, broadcast on national radio or, or national TV. Um, uh, seeing a piece of... It's kind of constant. And I, I, I know I know you want, like, sitting in a dressing room with Ravi Shankar about, I don't know, about three months before he passed away, just wow. after he'd performed. Um, uh, hearing um, Nick Drake's uh, arranger, Robert Kirby, um, just tinkling on the ivories backstage... Um, you know, these are guys that have that have way more um, memories, anecdotes, and impact than I will ever have. You know, in in ten lifetimes. Mm. So to be around these people that are truly gifted musically is is a is a real honour. 
Um, and I think, okay, one of the big ones is, is working to put Birmingham on the map musically. That's not any one moment. That That's an ongoing struggle, battle, challenge, but however you want to characterise it. We might talk more of that later. But, you know, I'm really proud of my city. I'm proud of where I've come from. I'm proud of the, the music that came from inner city areas. I'm proud of um, the people that graft every day in music, particularly at the moment. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're recording this now as there's a state of emergency in the, in the live music sector and, and by default um, other parts of the music industry. So to be still chipping away and, and you know, championing and, and fighting their corner and by they, I mean the creators and the people that are, are, are really um, losing out on their income, on their livelihood, um, is, a, is a thing of pride to me, I think, as a Brummie, as a music industry professional and just as a person, um, to, to be supporting others in this time is something that, I, it's a highlight for me. That doesn't sound quite right. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's it's, um, it's an, an important and humbling position to be in to be helping people at this time we yeah we should you're right we should mention that we are currently in the middle of this covid19 situation um which has had unbelievably devastating impacts on all corners of the sector the industry the business what's what's your take on the the response so far from government um do you think that the help's been there in any shape I think let's let's split this into two uh, two camps. There's local government, or a regional government, and and central government. Um, we have uh, we've not seen enough support. We have n- seen nowhere near enough. And actually, on the, it's almost like inversely, we've seen um, a, a government that are determined to erode what is one of the biggest industries in the UK. You know, bigger than aerospace, bigger than um, automotive um, hospitality music uh, events it's huge we were, we were a service sector led country and we certainly were heading into um, into a, a kind of uh, event monopoly country pre-pandemic What's, what strikes me is that we haven't seen a lot of regional representation if any um, in the West Midlands um, you know we've got uh, a mayor who who has previously occupied senior roles on boards of of arts and music organisations, and um, who uh, you know a um, a council who claim that we are a city of culture, um, but aren't prepared to publicly uh, publicly come out and support uh, or pledge support for for the live music sector here. And it's not just live music that's getting hit, but obviously that's that's the stuff we're talking about today. So, you know, it, unfortunately it's politicised. I think if we had a Labour government um, and a Labour, Labour mayor, we might see a little more support and we might see that money that's been promised as, a part, as part of the cultural recovery funds trickle down and service the people that need it rather than the regularly funded organisations the cultural gems, which, you know, have incredible support from foundations and trusts and donors. What about, you know, the people that are making incredible art and work on their own with, without that support? You know, I know, I know that you, you recognise that and I, and I know that you, you, you're 
you're aligned with me on that one because, yeah, I mean, it's such a big question. Yeah, but ultimately, I think there's some great things that have come out of it. The industry is collectivized. We're seeing collaboration on a scale that we've never seen before. We're seeing innovation, creativity, you know, out of adversity always comes great art. Unfortunately, it's a bit, it's, it's not the best that we have to get to that point in order for that art to be created, but that's where we are. Um, I think solidarity, we all know how much value a musician, an artist, a music prof industry professional, um, an events professional, whichever part of, of the sector uh, you work in, we know your value. You know, we see you and we support you. Um, and uh, who knows, we're, we're, we're you know, uh, just about entering autumn now as we record this and, and a lot can change in a day and a week at the moment. It's a very fast moving picture. So, um, yeah, hold it down, everyone. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was going to say, let's not make no bones about it. This affects and impacts absolutely everybody, doesn't it? From the venues to the promoters to the agents, the managers, the labels, the publishers, everybody, you know, right down to the grassroots bands and artists. What, what do you say to, to those young people that are, aspiring musicians aspiring artists who are faced with this challenge you know is it is it a case of actually this could this could be a real rich time to create some outstanding material um you know is it sort of an opportunity to diversify and maybe look at different areas of the sector of the industry is it you know focus on one thing for you and and hold fast i, I feel to say that the industry will in part revert back to how it was before okay the model is far too well established. Um, you cannot eradicate live music. That's just that's a given. There may be there may be less opportunities to perform live, or those opportunities might get pushed elsewhere. That when restrictions get lifted, house performances become the thing. Innovation, tech, creativity. You know, more people are streaming now than ever before. If you if you're an artist or or a DJ or a producer. You have got, you've got the world at your fingertips. That doesn't replace the connection, as you well know, Jimmy, the connection with the live audience. Um, so I'd probably go with that last one, which is about keep your powder dry. Keep, keep creating, keep performing, but keep your powder dry because the time will come when the industry roars back into life. And, you know, there's lots of discussions at lots of different levels around how 2021 is... is this this year for super, you know it's a super year for festivals how you know some pr large promoters multi um uh multinational promoters global promoters are already rooting their tours into 2022 the good thing about being an independent creative is you can be fleet of foot you can be agile you can move quickly um create your niche create your, your audience work with your partners do outdoor gigs if you can you know the restrictions that are in place now, as of the first week of October, will change. They will eventually be lifted. This is a time like no other, but there will be a time like no other after it. And I think if you can roll with the punches as a creative, whatever role you're in, um, stay up to date, see that bigger picture, plan your route map, keep an eye on the news, keep an eye on the music industry news, um, collaborate, have people around you, good people people that you can trust um and it's going to be cool some really solid advice there man so as far as you're concerned it's a matter of when not if you definitely see a way out 
of the current situation? I think it's more of a um, a reverting to type kind of situation. When yeah. when various restrictions get lifted, we have a default position in the music industry that has worked arguably okay for for you know tens of decades. Well, dec- maybe 60, 70 years mm. or so. Um, and you know what? Don't be afraid of innovation or change anyway. Even even if the the industry does go in a slightly different direction, that's progress. That's life. We evolve, and so. If you're someone that's looking at innovating differently, or you, you're not, you don't want the industry to go back to that old model. Fine, that's cool too. You know, uh, there's no right or wrong way, I think, to react to this because we've got no precedent. We've got no, mm. there's nothing to compare it to. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of big, big artists, artists that have an established career. I see industry professionals. I see agencies. I see um, PR companies, pluggers, broadcasters managers all struggling with this it's not you know it doesn't matter what level you're on um yeah this is a challenge for everyone so yeah there's no there's no right or wrong answer to this but the 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 one the one goal you should aim for is positivity i know you feel that that. (laughs) insert inspirational meme here (laughs) hit me right in the feels there lyle so as we're a Birmingham-based podcast, it's only right that we touch on the community right here in the city. And you've mentioned a couple of times the, the rich tapestry that is here. Do, do you actually see that this situation could be the ideal moment for you know, Birmingham to, in some people's eyes, finally come together, maybe, and for us to create some... I mean, I know you've been working on the Birmingham Music Coalition for, for some time now, and can I just say, Lyle, that hats off to you, tip of the hat. It's absolutely incredible the work you've done in trying to bring the music community together and, you know, establish this kind of, um, what, what would you describe it's it as? It's a collective. A collective, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, in the same way that I don't agree and don't believe that there is a there is a um, model in the industry for someone to break the industry, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen overnight. Mm. Unless you're, you know, it's a one in a million chance where um, you're you're performing in front of a record exec who who can assign you on the spot, it just doesn't happen. And it's that it's that long graft and and dedication and, and building your numbers and building your fan base and building your songs and songwriting craft. That's not going to happen for Birmingham either. It's it's the same. It's this. It's, it's exactly this. It's, there's a par- there's a parallel there. So Birmingham is not going to get this kind of overnight success. You know, we're going to have um, marquee projects like the Commonwealth Games, like I wouldn't call HS2 a marquee project, <laughs> but there are changes happening in the city's infrastructure that will bring new people, new uh, listeners, new fans, new audiences, new um, collaborators, new pioneers. There's some great things around the corner. And they don't just come around out of those big infrastructure projects. They come as a result of people against them as well. Um, but I don't think it's possible in a city of Birmingham size for the whole community, it's just not possible, for the whole music community to rally around one unifying message, movement, slogan, whatever it is, because people are different. In, intrinsically, people have different beliefs, different values, <clears throat> and you know you're not going to get um a certain part of the music community getting behind black sabbath as as ambassadors for birmingham's music community similarly you're not going to get people that rep jk as the, as the person that should be doing that or 
we're yet to find the, the kind of musical leaders of the future. And I, I hope there are many and I hope that they are um, diverse and vibrant and lively and, and you know, um, creative in every single sense. So a kind of roundabout answer to your question is the, what we should what we should hope for is investment in the infrastructure. Do your thing, do it well, talk to your friend and your neighbour, collaborate. But, you know, not everybody has to be on the same page. I think as a city, there's this kind of idealistic views that sometimes, you know, Manchester is a city of absolute contrasts and paradoxes and, you know, conflicting um, narratives about its, about its past. Same for places like Sheffield and Brighton. Um, if you buy into that, then Birmingham is the home of metal or Birmingham is the home of Bangor or Birmingham is, was the um, grime capital yeah. of the UK. Um, the home of Birmingham techno. I found out the other day that yes. there is actually a yep. subgenre of techno called Birmingham techno yep. that originated yep. at the House of God events. Yeah, I mean, the, the challenge is, is that we've got a lot of stories to tell. Mm. And I get asked this question quite a lot about, you know, how, how you market Birmingham, how, how would you sell the Birmingham sound? And, this, and the sound of Birmingham is, is not one sound, it's the sound of collaboration. You know, you look at, you look at um, artists like Apache Indian, who melded like Raga Dancehall with um, Bhangra and Desi Beats. You look at, at bands like The Destroyers, who've got, um, you know, they've, they've worked with scratch turntablists and violinists and uh, all manner of, of people from different disciplines and backgrounds. You look at, um, and of course there are people doing mad, look, doing absolute bits in their particular niche, whether it's someone like Surgeon, who's, mm -hmm. who's just the don of, of techno to come out of Brum, or someone like, um, God, it could be anyone like Jeff Lynne, you know, wrote one of the greatest blues songs of all time, Keep Run. <laughs> um, you know, so I think we should celebrate these, these multiple, um, this, this city of many sounds rather than say, well, you know, a perfect example in point is that, um, what was it called? The uh, B-Town. Bomber Clot. <laughs> um, I mean, that, that was as far as I, I know, a record company exec and media um, attempt to try and create a sound out of Birmingham. So, essentially, Birmingham's time will come, but it will happen organically. It will happen, well, organically and with a bit of hard work. You know, one of the things that we try and do with the Birmingham Music Coalition is create a bit of infrastructure, create those connections where people can talk to one another, lobby hard for investment, talk to broadcasters about why aren't they making music documentaries in the city, work with um, media giants to shine a light on what's going on in the city. Make sure that so-and-so who's doing bits in North Birmingham is talking to so-and-so doing bits in West Birmingham. Mm. Um, and try and encourage those big music industry bodies who have sway, have time, have resources, have experts to invest in the city. And until that kind of stuff happens and until the regional agencies, uh, regional mayor, um, council, etc. Chamber of Commerce realised that £211 million that we used to generate pre-pandemic of music tourism money from, you know, the tiny Lamp Tavern shows in Digbeth through to the 17,000 shows at the Utilita Arena um, and, and everything else, all the studios, all the rehearsal rooms, all, the, all those band camp recordings that are out there, you know... We all know the value. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't realise the value of, of music and art in some in some way. It's not just financial. So, 
I mean, this is this is like a this is like a seventy-two hour podcast session that I could do on this one. <laughs> but um, ultimately, yeah, Birmingham has its time. Do we need a time? Let's just do our thing. Time is now. The time is the time has always been. You mentioned that word a couple of times, then, Lyle. Infrastructure, and I hear that word get bandied around, thrown around so often. And I think people sometimes get confused. What what are we talking about when we're, we're mentioning infrastructure? What is it that we want to see investment in? What does that mean? We would like to see, and I, I'm kind of talking on behalf of the the music community at large here. When we when we talk about infrastructure, we talk about the kind of four corners of the jigsaw, the stuff that you really need to have in place for a professional music market, for a professional um, uh, international music community to be able to um, to trade, to collaborate, to produce. They're, they're, they're some of the money the money makers, so it might be the publishers or it might be the agents or it might be the, the management or it might be the promoters. Some of that does exist in Birmingham. Okay. Legal representation, for example, where do you go if you've got an issue around your, your IP or, or, or um, some kind of copyright issue? Is there a, a music law specialist? Or, or an IP law specialist. Um, I'm one of a few um, dedicated music PRs in the city. Um, music media, it's shocking when it comes to, to uh, the fact that we're a city of or a region of 1.5 million people, yet we've got maybe three, four dedicated music journalists or reporters, in, and I'm talking about full-timers wow. here. You know, so... Um, what, we, are, what are those, sorry to interrupt, what are those four pieces? Can you spell it out <laughs> to us? Um, Do you even can you define them? Those four corners. Oh, the four corners. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably. I mean, you, you'd look at it as your your live, which obviously is taking a complete battering at the moment. Sure. Mm. You look at it as your recorded. So that's your studios. That's your suppliers. That might be your mastering. That might be a mixing. Might be vocal specialists, vocal coaches. You know, it, it might be the drum skin tighteners. <laughs> you know, some really nice things. You've got your sync. And your publishing, okay. um, which is obviously the earners, but without the other, uh, without the recording, you know, are you going to have the high-end studios in order to record well enough for a sync um, company to take you seriously? And then you've got kind of media marketing, plugging, media, yeah, in order to get your work out there. You know, for me, they they are the four corners. You're probably missing things like merch, which is a big earner, usually pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. Um, you've got uh, all of the other uh, kind of um, supplementary stuff. You've got your, your light and your sound. You've got your instruments. You, you know, it depends where you're coming in from it. But then you also need right in the middle is your venues or your spaces. You need your places for your clashes to hone your skills, your rehearsal rooms. You know, um, places for people to jam, places for people to experiment with art and music. Mm-hmm. So for me, we have some of those parts but not enough, uh, you know. And then there's the intermediaries that make it all work, like the agents and the managers and um, brokers and and how that then plugs in to um, the the national uh, industry, the international industry, the schools, the education side of it, the political side of it, the business side of it, and everything else, you know. It's, it's a complex um, ecosystem. And is it possible, do you feel, for that kind of ecosystem to exist outside of like the powerhouses of London? I do. I do. I, yeah. I, do. I think. And if so, why doesn't it or hasn't it? 
Well, we know that London is, has kind of um, has long been a... It's almost like a capital state, a bit like the Vatican City, and uh, Boris is the Pope, um, <laughs> where the media particularly has been heavily concentrated. But we've, we had, like, Tim Pan Alley, uh, you know, we had lots of concentrations of talent, which then in turn draws talent in itself. So mm. I do think there's there there seems to be a movement towards decentralization devolution and regionalization and post-brexit that's going to be a big thing because the regions are going to need some autonomy how regional powers decide to spend their money is it going to be on music is it going to be on just you know the basics like social care and housing unfortunately arts culture music always tends to be bottom of the the pyramid, the, the, the pyramid mm. particularly as we're seeing with covid so Yes, I do think it's possible to exist. You look at maybe Brighton, Manchester as kind of examples-ish, although Brighton's quite close to London. Um, for me, and again, this comes up in the same way that you get asked the question about the infrastructure, don't wait for it to come, create it. If you're listening to this podcast and you are an independent creative with a talent or a skill set, do something with it. Don't take it to London. <laughs> Don't take it to Manchester. Do something wicked in, in Birmingham with it, you know. Um, and I know it's a graft sometimes. It is a struggle. Particularly when you think that there aren't people out there that feel the same way or that aren't doing the same things. That's a, that's a really big thing because we don't have many networks mm. and we don't have those those media outlets and, and we don't have, you know, huge organisations that are connecting people. Oftentimes, people think that there's no one out there doing that kind of thing, or, or who, who, do I, who do I collaborate with? Or Birmingham's dead. I see so many tweets from from people saying, "Ah, oh, Birmingham's music scene's dead." It's not. It, it's it's absolutely smashing it. Thriving. Yeah, despite a goddamn pandemic, mm. you know. But it is a case of looking outside your social bubble, outside your you know your filter bubble, looking outside your COVID bubble, <laughs> um, and searching for those people because they are out there. You yeah. know, and and I think that's something that that definitely connects us is that we 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 move in similar areas and we gravitate towards people that are doing similar work and we know for a fact that they're out there. You just got to work a little harder to see it in Birmingham, you know, because everybody's too busy hiding their bushel and hiding their light under a bushel. Who who are the people that are doing that that, that kind of work in? In Birmingham, line, in your opinion, bring bring your people together. I mean, too many to name, Jimmy. Because looking back through time, you know, I've I've been to the the Birmingham Music Network meetings and gatherings. I've been to the Birmingham Music Awards, you know, gatherings and network meetings. And then and then I went and, and they, they all did the same thing for me, and I wasn't particularly enamoured by them. But then I went to mix and build which was a, a, an event hosted by Despa and I really felt like there was something in the room that night that I hadn't experienced at any of those other events at all so so in your opinion who is doing that kind of work do you remember that that advice that I had earlier about being able to spot people that are just not true they haven't got that true aim they're in it for their commercial gain um or they're just generally uh not out to help people or not you know a, a, a stark truth of the music industry is that a lot of people are in it for themselves um there are a lot of hustlers and sharks and unpleasant people out there um but in terms of networks the thing is 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 that we're still a big enough creative um economy in the city that um sub creative 
groups can exist and never know that the others that the others do. So if your thing is is um, about folk music, for example, there are incredible groups that meet. There are you know songwriting and and um, songcraft uh, type groups that that you could connect with. There are promoters that do for the love, not for the money. There are people that are into storytelling. They exist out there. If you're into uh, a more commercially minded type of music, and you might argue that some trap and grime is about numbers and is about stacking the the, the paper, and you know it, it's it's for commercial gain rather than artistic. That's not all of it. I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah. It's the same for pop music or the same for some rock. Mm-hmm. Um, that those networks operate differently. They're not in it for the greater good necessarily, and that's their thing. That's fine. Music has always been split into you know different camps. It's a business; you make money, or you do it for artistic for the for the labour of love. So it's hard for me to single out individuals or groups or networks. I can tell you plenty to avoid, um, <laughs> um, but it, it it is about that. And and I again, I would say to somebody who's just coming into music from a young age or from or sidestepping from a different career. Seek out people that are like-minded. Follow your instincts. Don't you know? Don't trust everybody. Don't say yes to everything. You'll see the good. The good people will shine through. And there are some people in the city that have been grinding for ages, and they may not get the thanks for it, or they may not get the recognition. But that they don't, they're not in it for that. Um, and I can I can name hundreds, maybe thousands of people that are that can also combine music with commerce. So they're making money, but they're still doing creative things because at the end of the day, we all have to eat. We've all got mouths to, to feed. Of um, and, you know, you've got to keep a roof over your head. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm very happy for people to get in touch and for me to direct them and signpost and do some wayfinding to individual people. But it's a big, it's a big world out there. And for the lack of inf- infrastructure, we have still got a fairly good, active, sizable community. In terms of individuals that we could perhaps learn from who have been doing, as you've just said, mixing that successful commercial viability, but also doing really creative things. Are there any people in the city that spring to mind? I like, I like the work that um, Capsule and Supersonic do because they they keep their integrity in, in terms of programming and, and um, artistic narrative. You know, their their thing has always been about experimental music and pushing the boundaries of of um, incredible new artists and incredibly established artists that are doing wonderful things as mm. well. Um, but still managed to run the festival. You know, it's well over ten years old now, um, and commission great art, commission great music. Um, obviously, they still have staff to pay, and it's still a t- uh, it was a ticket paying event prior to to COVID. The guys at Left Foot and Hair and Hounds always doing great bits and you know um have managed to develop the brand in, into an incredibly successful international brand um whilst keeping that air of you know it's, it's kind of it's it's genuine it's authentic it's for the love of the music but you still have to pay to see it or hear it sure you know and um, they bring interesting people to the venue they put on really interesting events yeah. they do great things with their program yeah totally the, mm. stu- the stuff that um selectorhood are doing um, you know, really, really um, innovative, um, groundbreaking stuff, upskilling people as well. 
and hopefully, you know, making it work uh, commercially or financially as well. Um, there are, you know, the Friendly Fire guys, um, some of the stuff they do, they've been repping reggae and dancehall and, and roots for years. Um, a lot of their models previously have been kind of free or, or pay what pay as you wish, pay as you wish, pay what you like, pay as you wish. Um, and uh, But they have different models and different arms, like the studios and the dub plates and the, the guest vocals and, you know, merch. I respect anybody who's able who's able to make a living in music, particularly in Birmingham and the West Midlands, without that bigger, um, wider infrastructure that we were talking about. But it's true to their true to their art form. I feel like it's that kind of approach and that that sort of DIY, independent, plough-your-own-furrow culture. That That's what I love about the city. I love that determination, grit, tenacity. It exists. It exists despite and in spite of whatever else is going on in the music industry. So, um, yeah, that, that level of collaboration has produced some of the most incredible um, incredible movements, like the, the retro um, electronic stuff that came out in the 90s, like Plone and Broadcast and Pram. That stuff didn't exist in another city, you know, at the level that it did. The Bhangra scene that, that came out of, you know, the Oriental Star Agencies. We've got the rich heritage. We've got the rich contemporary. Mm. It's just we don't shout about it. And I'm done with that whole Brummie self-deprecating thing. If people want to be self-deprecating, that's down to them. You know, we've tried to market the city as a music city. Stuff exists regardless of, of what they're saying in Leeds or what they're saying in Abingdon. <laughs> Where is that, Kyle? It's near Oxfordshire. Um, you know, so... It, yeah, you're right. That grit, that tenacity. We do. We, we're in a post-industrial city, so a lot of what we used to do has moved to the service sector. But that kind of, and we, and we, well, of course, we welcome people from all over the world here. We're such a, an incredibly lively city, and with that kind of influence coming into the city, that well, that's been around in the city for a long time. What would you get? You would get the sounds of of many. You get the sounds of working working class people. You get the sounds of immigrants. You get the sounds of displaced peoples you get the sounds of just creativity so of course it's going to need some tenacity and, and perseverance and grit to be heard amongst the rest of the noise so let's bring it back a little bit to you lyle and your journey have there been any mistakes that you've made any learning curves that you could perhaps pass on and impart to anybody listening to this who might be taking their first steps on the this kind of career path certainly yeah um uh, quite a few in fact and i think that that's you know testament to to a learning curve is you have to make mistakes in order to to learn um i think not being not being assertive enough to say no um sooner taking too much on and not being able to follow up on things has, has definitely been a a serial weakness of mine wanting to be across a lot of things and wanting to help and support and be part of and and underwrite and um you know, underpin, um, but it's just, you just don't have as much time as you want to, to meet all of those obligations and commitments. Um, I'm quite glad that I haven't, um, I'm quite glad that even though I'm a bit of a, a loud mouth, um, I, I've, I've tried to keep, keep it on the DL when it comes to, you know, beef and grief and, and all of those kind of things. Cause I'm not, I'm not on about that. I'm, I'm about the greater good of the city and I don't see there much, be much merit in um, t 
telling the people that are doing something wrong to do uh, are doing something wrong. I just move on. And so, you know, there are plenty of people in the city doing um, things for the good of, of music and, and I, you know, I align with them, essentially. Um, so, yeah, um, other... Falling into that second city trap. Can't stand that phrase. Second city, first city, mm. only city. <laughs> this is our city. <laughs> the city. <laughs> Birmingham City FC. Um <laughs> I know. I, I think. I think it's you know, who likes being given second rate as the option? And I and I, and I accepted it for for a while, but it's not. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think I accepted what was fed to me in terms of narrative for a while, and I agreed with it because I thought it was the right thing to do, um, and probably aligned with people that thought that that you know. I'm I'm about standing strong and and screaming first city, um, rather than uh, accept accepting the status quo. You know, as much as I write Steel Pulse, as much as I write Black Sabbath, as much as I write Duran Duran, th- these guys aren't the, the musical narrative of the city now. They're the musical heritage, and they should be celebrated, and they're still contributing in some ways. So, um, pushing back a- against against the kind of the default setting. I didn't do that for a while and, and I'm glad that I'm doing it now. It's about having um, been true to to your opinions and, you know, I've only got a few of those. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's got weaknesses, haven't they, apart from you? Um, I'm glad you pointed it out, Lyle. <laughs> um, let's touch on what's exciting you now. Those ginger nuts. <laughs> it's always the biscuits. Oh, I wish you'd have brought the hobnobs out. Flipping it, man. I'd have been going friendly, crazy. They're not are they not? They're not. They've got milk in them. I, I did you are that. joking. I don't and know, actually. <laughs> Listen, you are, you are shattering an illusion right there, man. Don't do that. Exciting you at the moment in terms of, this, in terms of right here, right now in Birmingham. It's a, difficult, it's a, difficult, it's a difficult time to ask that question. Yeah. Um, or if we perhaps talk pre-pandemic then. What's exciting me now is we've been, our hand, our collective hand has been forced into collaborating more, creating more, collectivizing more. You know, I know that there are people talking to, 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 talking, to people talking who may never have crossed paths before. I know that there are people that are delivering, you know, um, uh, online events that would have never have collaborated before. There's just some exceptional um, innovation going on. If there are any artists or bands listening to the podcast who coming out of the back of what's happening currently um, have a really interesting project that they want to push, that they've created during this time, and they're looking at PR companies or you know some kind of marketing representation, what are the key things that artists and bands should be looking for do you feel in like? in in an individual or an agency or a company? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, someone that you you get on with well and that you click with. Never mind all the stuff that they've got listed on their website or the artists that they've worked for or the spiel that they give you or the amount of contacts they have or the low prices. That's that's one thing. Um, you need to be able to. I mean, the music business, is, as you well know, is a, it's a business of relationships. You know, you've got to be able to trust someone. And if you start, if you're just starting out and you're looking for the first person to work with to help you promote your record in, in whatever way it is whether it's through radio or through online or socials or, or um, data driven marketing or um, direct to fan make sure that you click with them make sure you get on with them because this could be the 
beginning of a beautiful relationship you know this person could could help and support and nurture and develop your your audience for you um and there are some really great people out there i think um specialists working in a particular genre are always good because when you find those kind of all-rounders who will quite happily just bash out a press release to a distribution list of a thousand Mm. but that distribution list is like mothballed and it's old and it's creaky and it's 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 not bespoke you know um i mean i'm kind of talking myself out of out of potential work here but a lot of pr work can now be done by you yourself i think that there are there are modules, there are courses, there are people out there that would be willing to, to mentor you and, and share. The advent of um, social media, the the drop in, you know, because the other thing that COVID's decimated is music media. So many titles have closed in the past six months, a real tra- tra- uh, tragedy. And that, that absolutely limits the opportunities that people have to get their music reviewed by a credible reviewer, um, to, to get good features and interviews to um take part in promos and um you know sponsored uh sponsored deals even advertising so i would say if you're an emerging artist or musician find out if you can do it yourself first maybe put the money into paid for advertising they're going to be like pr um colleagues that that would you know you're gonna get bashed for this aren't you (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know it, it goes against the grain but uh, things will be different when we come out of COVID. I hope to God that there will be um, new media enterprises that come out. That's another thing is don't wait for somebody to review review your record. Get one of your pals to start a, a website. Review it genuinely. None of this nepotism business. You know, everything's now within our grasp. And I think that there has previously, particularly in Birmingham and the Midlands, been a, um, a malaise of waiting waiting for somebody else to do it, waiting for somebody else to come move from London and bring it, waiting for Arts Council to give me this money so I can, you know, crack on, do it. Um, uh, one of your your notes on here was about kind of DIY and independent culture. Um, I think we've had, we, we've had a, a history of going cap in hand in this, in this city for too long, whether it's to the, the City Council, who haven't had any money for about eight years anyway. Um, to the Arts Council who, who have quotas to fill and who have um, very specific funding um, uh, streams um, to the businesses that have been successful because they've struck out, you know, they've identified a, a gap in the market. I would say there is a gap for at least another 40 media outlets, whether it's a podcast like this, whether it's a YouTube show, whether it's a, um, you know, you pitch to BBC WM and, and kick introducing off the air and put something better on. <laughs> Whether it's, um, you know, the, the world is your oyster. You do, you, as long as you've got a smartphone, you can do it now. So I appreciate it might not be everybody's, it might not be everybody's um, interest or, or direction, but that's where the DIY collective um, vibe works best. You've got eight pals that are doing, one's doing writing, one's doing photos, one's doing video. You're making the music. Somebody else is doing the business side of things. You know, that's how some of the great things come out. That's how the likes of, you know, BBK um, yeah. uh, start. The, Daily. Yep. Mm. You know, we've we've had a few, we've seen a few attempts in the city that haven't quite taken off yet to that point. And that, that again ties into the infrastructure stuff that we talked about earlier. But um, it's there for the taking. Yeah. Never, never wait for it to, to come get delivered to you because, you know, it may not ever come.
And then you'll be bitching about, oh, there's no infrastructure in this city. Go do something about it. Yeah. The takeaway from there is get started, do it now, dream big, have yep. those conversations. Stop listening to this. Get, get off. Go <laughs> yeah. do it. Well, well, not quite yet. <laughs> Give me two more minutes and then you can stop. But yeah, I really, really agree with that, Lyle. Some solid advice. All right. Let's, let's round it off with who's flying the flag for you from an artist band point of view at the moment from the city you know who do you, who do you really feel is doing interesting exciting things uh, Ruben James mm. um, um, definitely Ruben James and um, I want to say Georgia Smith I hope she still keeps repping WS you know because a lot was made out of her early journey and her, her kind of early years in, in Warsaw um, but a bit like Jacob Banks and a few other artists that have been signed to, to kind of priority deals uh come back and 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 make sure that you keep those those connections with the music community here because you know there's a whole fan base here that have gone through the same early years that you did and there's a whole load of musicians that can take a lot from you so um i would say um people that are doing lady sanity hats off to her i think she's definitely someone with integrity and there are a lot of people in working in music in birmingham that um could take a leaf out of her book for sure mayday i rate mayday say shout out to to the the uh the new um generation of entrepreneurs that are you know really pushing hard for change in the city people like catherine at five bam people like desper at um, b83 people like holly um at selectorhood um I, the guys at Bad Mag, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, there's, there's loads to mention, but if you're a supporter of independent culture and you're doing it for the right reasons, you know, big up yourself. That, that's that's the way. It's not, don't get in it just to get in it and don't get in it for the for the self-promotion or for the, you know. I know this when I put, when I put calls out, you know, I offer media opportunities to people all the time. But I ask sometimes I ask people to nominate others, and and the self promotion that goes on in this city is ridiculous. You know, get your head out your ass, go look at, at what your you know your peers are doing, rate them, they'll rate you back. There's that that's a simple rule of social media where you talk about yourself once and and somebody else four times. That should be the ratio. You know, we need more um, we need more neighbourhood love. That is a fantastic point to round off the interview, Lyle. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on, bro. Thank you for inviting me, Jimmy. It's been good. It's, I feel it's like a therapy session, actually. <laughs> it was quite cathartic. You have been listening to The Art and Business of Music, brought to you by Brum Radio. Follow us on all social media platforms at the AABOM podcast and subscribe via your favourite podcast platform.